Your sensors are correct. Do not adjust your heading. Your heading. You've discovered the Omega Particle. Streaming to the Alpha Quadrant and beyond. 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 Here's your host. The anchorman of the Federation. The doctor of Dilithium. This is Jonathan Wiegand. Hello and yes, welcome to... The Omega Particle. I'm your gracious and humbled host, Jonathan Wiegand, with talent on loan from God. Welcome to the program today. We are going deep into one of the greatest villains or greatest antiheroes of all of Star Trek. Now, this is a complex and very detailed analysis of Gal Dukat. So if you haven't seen DS9, I think it's still valuable for you to listen to because there's a great insight into the character probably will spoil a lot of things for ds9 for you but it's a great lens to look at him through because when i first actually all of my watch throughs of ds9 i've always viewed him as a villain and then i've come across this kind of underground thought project of maybe he's the anti-hero and then i was like Do you know what that's worth looking into that's worth investigating and kind of making the case for Gold Ducat. Now, I'm going to be playing devil's advocate a lot, but eventually I will bring about my whole reasoning and and thoughts behind if he's an anti-hero or if he's actually just an evil villain. Um, There's one particular episode, in my opinion, that completely changes the game of the character. We're going to go into that episode in really detail analysis of that. It's a unique perspective on the character, but I'm happy to go through it. And Unlike all my other 40 other episodes, we're going to go in a little bit deeper of my personal life and kind of bare my soul a little bit because so much of Gold Ducat I've seen in my own personal life that I will expound on that a little bit and kind of prove my overall point that we'll have to see. I'm not going to reveal in the intro. <laughs> anyway, for the very first time, we're going to take an obscene profit timeout and we'll come back after the break. Fun will now commence. You know what, Luna? Oh, God. You know, after working a long, hard day of just Excel spreadsheets and bosses yelling at you, do you know what I do to relax? Do you know how I just get the world away and I can just focus on some Johnny time? I play Star Trek online. Yeah, I get on my get on my desktop, get on my laptop, wherever I'm at, and I just go and captain my own ship and do what I want be the space cowboy I've always wanted to be. And I think that's the best thing I can do with my time. It's like, should I play with my son? No, Star Trek Online first. Because if you heard, there is this new season coming out called Houses United. And you can unite the clans of the Klingon Empire. And it's a really fun, exciting season. Um, And that's what they do with online games, if you didn't know. They have certain rollout and seasons storyline so check that out that star trek online just google it it is probably the tip of the spear when it comes to star trek entertainment i know i for one have spent thousands of dollars on the game literally thousands we are going bankrupt it's not good (laughs) but uh anyway please check out star trek online and you can check them out on their social media all across every platform star trek online and it's brought to you by the very great people of Perfect World. Captain's Log Supplemental. 
And we're back. <laughs> Before we get into the meat of the episode, like I, I, as I was prepping for this, I really noticed that there's this big anti-hero fad that had really swept mainly like comic book movies, right? Like we have Batman, we have Deadpool, we have all these guys that do bad things, but they do it for the right reasons, you know? So is Gold Dukat kind of the first anti-hero-esque of sci-fi, really? Because this show premiered in the 90s. I mean, it's a man you love to hate, but you also can relate with him a little bit. And that's what makes him one of the most complex characters. And it really comes down to the brilliant acting and the brilliant writing on DS9 that really got into this issue. Because if the acting wasn't good or the writing wasn't good, we wouldn't be having this conversation like 20 years from now if this arguing if this character is good or bad. I think arguments can be made in either camp. Now, there are some fans that believe, the I'm going to call them the pro-Ducat fan club. So there's the pro-Ducat people, and they believe he was treated misfairly, and that. And the argument is, we've all done things in our life like that we're not proud of. And maybe we are monsters and, and terrible people to some people out in the world. You know, I mean, I have exes that think I'm just this terrible person. <laughs> That's fine. And then I have other people like my wife who think I'm the best person ever. So, and my friends who think I'm great. Everybody can relate because we've all done things we're not proud of. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll give you that. Like, so we can start off on that kind of perspective for Gold Ducat. And for those of you who don't know, and in real Linda out there, Gold Ducat was, was one of the main like antagonists to Ben Sisko, who in another anti hero sect, all of his right. I mean, um, how he got the Romulans in the war, uh, being an accomplices to murder. He admitted himself stealing, lying, bribing, doing all these things to get the Romulans in the war. So he's not perfect either, but that's another story for another time. Just some facts out there again. So Ducat appeared in 35 of the 173 episodes of DS9. And to me, his arc really starts to come about in season six and season seven, where he's literally in every episode before season six, he was kind of just this scattered, like he showed up in some, just as this random antagonist villain, but it wasn't like the huge main storyline, if that makes any sense. To me, yeah, he brings in a lot of weight in the whole storyline near the end, but he was in the pilot, he was in the finale, so you can make the argument he's been in throughout the show the whole time. Now, in the beginning of DS9, you could argue, and this is the pro-Ducon people, he was actually very pleasant to Cisco and very pleasant to a lot of the, the crew and even helped him out on several occasions. Like um, in season two, I don't know the specific episode, but season two, Cisco and uh, Ducat team up to take out the Maquis. And even though they have very like different ideas on how to do that, I mean, they do team up and they do work together. And in season three episode, the famous uh, civil defense episode, <laughs> that's where the meme attention Bajoran workers. That's where that one comes from, that episode. But um, he helps the the crew take down the station security issue and kind of help save the day. <laughs> Even when like Jake and Cisco were doing that Bajoran light ship that they got from ancient manuscripts and, and blueprints that they flew across the, the galaxy and ended up in Cardassia. And who's there to greet them? Of course, Golducott and his many weird fireworks, <laughs> bad CGI fireworks of the 90s. 
And so it's like, one could argue with those examples that Ducat is is portrayed as a, a very reasonable, very helpful, even kind person and very probably misunderstood. You know, like we've heard rumors about all the things he's done and we're like, well, maybe it was just a matter of bad circumstances or bad situations. So it's, yeah, you have to take it with a grain of salt and maybe they flesh out the character later, which in my opinion, they do. Now, again, this is all pro Ducat people. I'm not arguing this. One line, particularly when I was doing research, really stood out to me. And it's like that Ducat has such a great potential to do good, but only if he could be redeemed. You know, like he has a great influence and weight. If he really wanted to do good in this world, he could, but he needs to be redeemed first. And I think he was ripe for redemption through the whole freaking series until that switch goes off that I was talking about in season six. To me, this is where I differ on the pro Ducat people. So it's season six episode called Waltz. And we're going to give a little recap of here in the episode. So Ducat is in secret talks with the Dominion and he eventually gets Cardassia to join the Dominion. He becomes the leader of this Cardassia under Dominion rule. And eventually they retake DS9, a.k.a. Tarak Noir. As they're battling again in Waltz, we see the Federation come back and retake DS9. We see that um, his daughter, Ziel, is killed by Dumar. And we just have this overall relation and, and grief that he's a human, like, not human, but, you know, like he has all these emotions and feelings we can absolutely relate to. And he is so overcome with grief that he stays with Zial's body, doesn't evacuate to Cardassia, and is captured by the Federation. So now that he's captured by the Federation, he has this devil-may-care attitude. He really doesn't care anymore about himself or about Cardassia, about anything. He's just grief-stricken. He's just there. And to me, it's super relatable because I've been in that state of grief. I lost my mom when I was 12 years old to pancreatic cancer. So I understand that kind of numbness to the world and you're just focusing on your grief. So to me, that was very sympathetic to the character. However, by the end of this episode, all that sympathy is gone. All of that, any relatable aspect to Ducat is gone, in my opinion, because, um, and this is where the episode gets good, is that Cisco takes Ducat on runabout and this runabout gets attacked by the Dominion and they end up crashing on this planet and Cisco wakes up with like this TV dinner looking thing on his arm because his arm got plasma burns on it and Ducat sitting next to a fire and they, he's like, I set up this emergency signal and whoever gets here first, Dominion or Federation, will just deal with it, you know, but we need to get rescued. And, and all this time, the whole episode, Ducat's like, yeah, you need to tell me what you really think of me, you know, like really give it to me. And he's like dealing with mental health issues. He has like all these hallucinations that are mocking him and making fun of him. And he's not in the best state. I mean, he's not really. Yeah, I think you could argue that the death of his daughter really like flipped that switch, really made him evil. However, I will argue later that that switch has always been flipped. So we'll get into that. So he's hallucinating and then. He gets into this altercation with Cisco when he finds out the emergency signal actually has never been on, that the whole thing is just to get Cisco to tell him how he really feels. And so eventually they do get this heart to heart 
Ducat gives his reasons for the occupation. Now, I would play him, but I think there's some copyright law or something like that. So <laughs> I'm not going to do that. But he's giving his justifications. He's like, I ended child labor. I made them work less in the work camps, which sounds ironic. And I gave them larger food rations, but that didn't stop them. No, they still tried to assassinate me. They still wanted their freedom, those petty Bajorans. And when those Bajorans killed a space dock full of Cardassians, there was 200 Cardassians, so I killed 200 Bajorans. 200 lives for 200 lives. And so he's trying to over-explain himself to Cisco to be like, no, I am a good person. Like, I am justified in the occupation of Bajor and how I rule the occupation. And, and it's these pesky Bajorans and they're the terrible ones. They think they're equal with Cardassians. And then he starts getting all of this crazy racist theories. <laughs> they are not, Bajorans aren't equal to Cardassians and they shouldn't think they are. And then Cisco is like egging him on, you know, like kind of like pushing him and pushing him and pushing him. He's like, you know what? You should have just killed them all, Dukat. You should have killed all the Bajorans. And then Dukat's like, yeah, I should. Good idea. <laughs> and then um, I, the whole reason Cisco was doing that was to distract him. Then he beats him on the head, sets up the real signal, you know, and gets rescued. I'm not going to go too much further. I don't want to give too much of season six away because it is, to me, the top part of DS9. All of that. So we see how maddening. Ducat really is and how his mental state is really kind of just broken down at this point, you know? And this is where the pro Ducat people say that the writer's character assassinated him, that they took this multifaceted complex character and they made him one dimensional, almost to like cartoonish levels of like tying like women to railroad tracks and, and monocle level of cartoonish. And they erased all of these shades of gray that we had with Ducat. They got rid of him. And now he's just like this over-the-top stupid Bond villain that wants to burn the Alpha Quadrant, as we saw in the last episode of DS9. This is where I'm getting my opinion now. I strongly disagree, heavily disagree, that the writers retconned or character assassinated Ducat in the Waltz episode. And to me, the shades of gray that people argue about Dukat are nothing more than ramblings of a narcissistic psychopath. And his true intentions and actions are always shown throughout DS9, not just starting in Waltz. You can see this, the little bit of psychopath peeping out if you know what to look for, which I'll get into later and how I know to look for that. <laughs> and so to me, it's like Dukat's always been the same guy. He just is finally being honest at the very end of the show. And people, if you don't know, like, or if you need, just need a reminder, the Bajoran occupation is one of the darkest chapters in all of Trek. One of the overwhelmingly sad and just terrible things that have happened in the, Gal in the Alpha Quadrant. One of the writers of DS9 even said it was a direct allegory to the Holocaust. And in the season one episode duet, Kira describes what she saw when she liberated a forced labor camp right before the war ended. And the specific details, like if you take out the Trek aspect to it, she's describing what the Allies found when they liberated concentration camps. So is Ducat really just in a bad situation and caught and just done what he's supposed to do? No, that's not an excuse. You get into the 
the moral element of I was just following orders. And then, well, there's been a lot of people that have just been following orders that have committed the most atrocious human right violations of all time. Ducat was in charge of the entire occupation for like over 20 years. We realize we hear in um, season six. Now they say this after the Waltz episode and people say, oh, it's more character assassination. Uh, no, he, I mean, you could even tell before everybody knew he was the prefect of Bajor and he, he was in charge a long time. Even if he was in charge a year, it shouldn't matter, bro. <laughs> like if you're, if you're doing these terrible things to anybody, it doesn't matter if you're there a day or 20 years, it's still bad and you're still guilty. I mean, it's even described the character Dukat has even said that he loved his job and he didn't want to leave Terraknor when the Cardassians kicked him out. And I mean, Dukat sees himself as this compassionate being that he is loves the Bajoran people, thinks of them as his children and his actions are completely justified. His actions should be even praised and adored for what he did for the Bajorans. And that kind of attitude again, speaks to that narcissistic psychopath nature that has been there all along through DS9. And even for me, it's like his attempts to persuade others like Cisco and Kira to view him well. That's the whole point, really, a lot, a lot of the conversations is him trying to make people that are in power, that they're important to Dukat, trying to convince them, hey, I'm a good guy. And it speaks to the great writing and the complexity of a show that can be very silly almost sometimes in its sci-fi-ness. So it, it, it does really speak to how great the writers are. However, he was a space Nazi. And if he got redemption, it should not be viewed as this anti-hero in any way, shape, or form. If he truly wanted redemption, he would have to face up for the reality of his crimes and give them over give himself over to the Bajorans for war crime trials and et cetera, and show some degree of remorse and something like that. But he shows absolutely none for all seven seasons. And to me, the redemption of Dukat only lies in convincing people that his crimes weren't that bad. <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, we killed millions of people, but it wasn't that bad. And that they were actually justified. His actions were justified. That's redemption of Dukat. And that doesn't sound like a person who's really trying to go for true redemption. To me, that sounds like an abuser who wants to get away with his abuse. And I think that is what makes Dukat the most evil Star Trek villain of all time. Now you have Khan, you have all these other great villains. Yes, Villainy and, and is one thing, but pure evil, Dukat takes the crown, in my humble opinion. So you can argue that, well, Jonathan, like I mentioned before, like how could you have seen these kind of narcissistic tendencies before the big bad Waltz episode? And simply put, <laughs> my father is a narcissistic psychopath. Um, don't have a relationship with him now. But when I first was watching through DS9, I told my wife this as I was prepping. I was like, a lot of the same tendencies I've seen in Dukat, I see my father. The mental game, the speech, the 
doublespeak, all this type of things, I've recognized my own personal life. And um, for example, many times that um, Ducat knows exactly what he was doing in the occupation, but he still tries to justify it and view it through a different lens and never can really be pushed into admitting guilt or never shows remorse. Those are all tall tale signs of a narcissistic psychopath. <laughs> so definitely red flags there. And so that is exactly what happened in my life. Like as I've gotten older, um, like I mentioned before, my mother was passed away when I was 12. And so that left us without a mom for many years before my dad remarried. And during those many years, we, it was just, it was the kids running the show. You know, we, uh, we had to do our own laundry. We had to do grocery shopping. We had to do cleaning everything. And as you know, as 12, 13 year old kids, teenagers with no really motivation to do any of those things, a lot of things suffered. And one of those things was food. And we very rarely had food in the house, not because we didn't have money, but because my dad wouldn't go shopping. I remember one time I was eating a bag. I lived off a bag of coconut shavings for like three or four days. I can eat coconut shavings today, but it was just an example. And I mentioned that to him years later, maybe like five or six years later. And he completely denied it. He completely denied it. No, that never happened. That never happened. This never it. And then when I confront him with evidence to be like, no, this did happen. The justification, well, I had to do what I had to do to survive. We, It's just the way it was. You don't understand. It was just the way. And it's the same kind of mirroring that I've seen in Ducat. When you finally trap him in a corner, the justifications were all, I was doing, well, I had to do what I had to do. Do you know what the... The Bajorans wouldn't work with me, so I had to be rough with them. And it, it was justified. And it's never really a matter of remorse or viewing empathy for anybody else. That's another huge red flag for a narcissistic psychopath. There's no empathy for any other human being. So I think that is why I'm qualified to say, yes, Ducat is a, is a psychopath narcissist. So I think we can wrap up the show and highlight that, first off, Ducat wasn't an antihero. Um, he only wants redemption through people agreeing with his terrible actions. Um, doesn't show any remorse. He was a space Nazi. <laughs> and that Walt, I think, was the last straw in the mental facade. That we finally see him go from 70% to 100%. That he doesn't really have to hide anymore. He's all about vengeance and hurting Cisco and hurting the Bajoran people. And um, there was no retcon. There was no character assassination. He was a psychopath from the beginning. And I can, I told you why I think that, because a lot of the early, even early episodes, he's still working that, that all the tools that narcissists have, and he's working that. And I think um, that's terrible, but again, makes him one of the most evil villains in all of Star Trek and one of the most complex characters in all of TV, in my opinion. So that has been our deep dive of Ducat and kind of going into the character and seeing what really makes him tick, but also showing how he's been evil all along. Thank you so much. And Luna, play us out, girl. Again, thank you so much for listening. And again, check out Star Trek Online. Um, it is a lot of fun. <laughs> and again, if you ever, anybody listening, want to do sponsorships with me, please contact me on any of the social media that I have. That's 
Instagram at Omega Particle Podcast, on Twitter at Omega Particle underscore. Please feel free to reach out. I love hearing from the fans and hearing from you guys. It's always great, the discussion. I feel like this episode will definitely spurn a lot of discussion. So thank you so much. And always remember, guys, second start of the right, straight on till morning. <laughs>